As I was praying this week about what I should bring to you, um, I felt the Lord saying that I should bring to you what had blessed my heart the most recently. And uh, uh, I, the, I, I recently read a book, and this book has brought me closer to God in a special way. And my prayer is that it will do so for you as well. And uh, I have it here if you're interested in looking at it afterwards. So um, I'm just going to read you the introduction to it. For shame, once you know what to look for, the categories of shame and honor are all throughout the Bible. This should not surprise us, given, given that the human authors of the scriptures were, without exception, writing from cultural perspectives heavily influenced by shame and honor dynamics. My favorite biblical picture of the shame and honor dynamic comes to us with the story that Jesus tells us about the so-called prodigal son. He argues that in our individualistic culture today, we misunderstand shame and we don't know how to heal it. People, are, people know there's a problem, but they are misunderstanding completely what the problem, how the problem is solved. And what he says is that, uh, that the opposite of shame is honor. And by honoring someone, you undo their shame. And so we're going to look at this in the story of the parable of the lost son. We're going to look at the, the story itself. We're going to look at shame in my relationship with God and our response to God's honor. So we usually, when we read the story, we think of it as being about forgiveness. And we think the son has has sinned grievously, and the father forgives him freely, and this is what it's about. Now, of course, that is true, but uh, the story doesn't even mention forgiveness. The father never says, I forgive you. Uh, it's just not part of the storyline. In fact, there's only one place where there's a mention of sin, and that's the son, but not, in, not when he's with the father. So let's read the story together. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he'd spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. So his lifestyle, uh, we later learned, was immoral, but that wasn't a sin against the father. He's spending the money, it was his money, he wasn't sinning against the father the way he spent the money, although it might have been very foolish. Um, 
But he's covered with shame here. He's brought down to the level of a pig. This is the level he's brought. In fact, even lower because at least they get the pods to eat. And so this is the situation, and everyone in that culture would understand the shame. And I think we understand as well, even though we're not in a shame on a culture, we understand the shame that is covering him at this time. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So as I said, this is the one place that sin is mentioned. Um, uh, But notice his main problem here is that he doesn't think he's even worthy to be a son. He's like, he's feeling he's so low in his stature here. And then the story goes on. You know what happened. He arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, the first thing is, for a a respected man to run in those days is a no-no. I mean, you're really, to do that is, is bring himself down. And then by embracing him and kissing him, he's basically saying, we are together. We are together and associating himself with this person so closely that what he's doing is giving some of his honor to this man and lifting him up. But he continues, the son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. So the heart of this story is that someone with high honor can give this to someone else to restore their shame, uh, remove their shame. And the father runs, as I said, this is, this is not, not what you would do if you're an honored person. And then he gives him these symbols. He gives him the best robe, the ring, the shoes, and the feast in his honor. He takes away the son's shame. Now, in front of everybody, we know the servants were present because he speaks to them. Everybody says, wow, so this person is being given so much respect by the father. Now, our individualistic culture says that the answer to shame is self-compassion. Can you imagine this, this guy trying to deal with his shame in self, with self-compassion there with the pigs? Can you imagine? Oh, you poor thing. You're really not that bad. You know, don't, don't sue you so hard on yourself. No, that's not what the answer to shame is. It's to be lifted up in this particular way. And the, in, in this culture, which most ancient cultures and many in the world today are, understand this concept. And even in our culture, I think we understand this. And we have the power as a community by, to take away people's shame by honoring them. I'll say that again. 
as a community, we can take away people's shame by honoring them. Of course, it's more complicated because we can feel it. We can feel shame in one community and not in another. Uh, but uh, I'll talk more about that later. And if you want to le- read a lot more about that, then read the book. Um, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, then this story is the perfect picture for you. You simply have to give up trying to restore your own honor and saying, I can't do this. But God is offering that if you come to him and you pray to him, he will do this. He will take away all the shame that is on you and he will lift you up to be the status of his child. And this is a perfect story of how to come to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian. But, but the key place I want to go today is God taking away my shame and taking away your shame. So we've looked at the story. I'd now like to look at shame in my relationship with God and then see how we can experience this. So uh, why was this way of reading the parable so much a blessing to me? Uh, I usually read it in forgiveness, but as forgiveness. But now, as I read this, I can feel Myself, as I come to God in prayer, every time I come to God in prayer, I can think of this story and I cannot feel, oh, I'm just such a failure. I, you know, I make mistakes all the time. I'm what a loser I am. And think, no, that's not how God is thinking of me. God is not, he's saying, Andrew, you're my son. I just want to honor you. And to feel that honor from God that he's giving us I think we all need, because all of us carry shame, don't we? All of us know we are imperfect human beings. All of us make mistakes all the time in our lives. And when we come to God, we know he sees everything about us that is broken. We know he sees that, and we can come to him, and we can, oh, God, be merciful. I'm just such a wretch. And God is saying, you're my child. Just come. Let me hug you. Let me let me welcome you, and, and everybody can see that you are mine. And I just want us to get this, because this was such a blessing to me to think of the story from that aspect. I want to say uh, we often feel shame when we come to God because we're aware of our failings. This parable is to teach you about God's attitude to you. And note the Father never said you're wrong to feel shame. He just lifted him out of it. And he's literally given you some of his own honor. And what the core of it is God says we are together. You and I are together. You are my child. We are together in this. And uh, there's a a remarkable story that he he tells in the book, which um, when you read it from a shame-honor perspective, it completely um, makes a lot more sense. But earlier on in Luke, we read there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she'd spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Now, can you imagine how she felt like in that culture? Pretty shameful. And uh, so uh, she came behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Why do you think she did that and didn't even say anything, just touched his garment? 
because she doesn't want anyone to know because she's feeling so shameful. Immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was that who touched me? Jesus doesn't want her to stay in her shame. When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive the power has gone from me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, feeling her shame, falling down before him, uh, declared in the presence of the people why she touched him and how she'd been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He says, daughter. We don't understand the power of that word. Uh, but he's basically saying, I'm going to take some of the honor on me and give it to you because we are together. Because he had honor. He was a great teacher, although some, many people didn't like him. He was doing amazing things. And Jesus had honor. And by taking some of that honor and giving it to her and saying, you're my daughter. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Can you imagine how she felt? Lifted from this place of like so scared, she's cringing, doesn't even want to be known. And he lifts her up and says, you are my daughter. And so I just think this is wonderful that Jesus is doing this, calling her daughter and lifting her out of her shame. Now, another example would be uh, the, the verse that I, verses I took a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter 15, which is actually earlier on in this, path, this chapter, we've been reading the story of the lost son. This is how the chapter starts. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming to hear him, but the Pharisees and the experts in the law were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you see the problem here in a shame-honor culture? The problem is here, these people are, these have no, got no honor at all. And they're saying, Jesus, what are you doing? A person of honor going and eating with them. And this is exactly what is happening uh, here. And he is, he's, um, he's eating with them. So this is the problem of um, the... Uh, what the, the, the shame they were covered with, and this is the way that Jesus answers the problem in these people. He answers it with a woman, with the blood. He answers it with these uh, tax collectors and sinners and in the story of the lost son. But the story doesn't end there, so let's look at uh, later on in Luke after they've had the feast. The older son was in the field as he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Now, he's angry and he claims that it's about the wealth. You know, I didn't get this. Uh, but actually, his father points out that it's not. It's about the honor. Uh, he goes on, When the son of yours came, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. In other words, you've, you've, you've done this. You've given him honor. He doesn't deserve it. And the father says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine 
is yours. So um, really what the son is upset about is the celebration. This is really what the older son is upset about. It's not the fact that, you know, he's lost a, a cow or whatever, a fatted calf. It's about the fat, fact the father is giving honour to this disreputable brother that's behaved so badly, and he's angry about that. Exactly the same way as the scribes and Pharisees were angry that Jesus was giving honour to the, the uh, tax collectors and sinners. And the key point I want to make from this is that there's a cost to giving honour. Whenever we honour somebody who's in shame, we're actually losing some of our honour by giving it to them, and we could get criticised for that. And that's important to understand, and it's extremely important in the the story of of God, uh, because he gave us his he gave it cost him shame to give us his honor hebrews 12 verse 2 looking to jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god so we often think in context quite rightly of jesus taking away our guilt and paying the price on the cross and that's absolutely true But it's not the only thing he did. Jesus' death was covered in shame. It was the most shameful death you could have. And that was God doing this for us and taking shameful people like us and giving us his honor to lift us up. And so this connection here is very strong. So the point that I want to make is that the parable is about undoing shame by giving honor, and how God does that with us. And the second thing that I've just been saying is there is a cost to doing this. It's a costly thing to do, because the shame uh, comes from the, the honored one, and they lose that, and they could get condemned for it, or many other things they could get. So there's a cost to doing that. So we've looked at the parable, we've looked at shame in our relationship with God. Now I want to look at how we can respond to this. How do we benefit from this? What is our part in this? Well, shame is a complicated thing. Um, uh, So an action might bring you honor with one group and shame with another. So, for example, someone who takes part in in a violent political protest and gets arrested, does that bring shame or honor on them? Well, both. Yeah? Yeah. Exactly. Who? Exactly. So to, to one group of people, it brings honor. To another group of people, it, it, from another group of people, it brings shame. And so we need to understand this. And so um, the question then is, what do you care about? Which group of people do you care about? Uh, where is it from, this honor? And this is, this is uh, brought out in a number of scriptures. Uh, example would be 1 Peter 4. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So you may have shame in your culture. You know, these Christians are persecuted. And I'm sure that the ones we were praying for earlier are there's some shame from some people in their culture, but 
But from God, there is honor, and from believers, there is honor. And what he wants to, to say here is it's really important in a time of persecution that you understand that the honor, there is honor and not shame from God in this. And so, and so whose uh, honor do you care about? So I want to, I want to land with three three things that we can actually do in this and in our response. The first is not caring about the shame the world can make us feel for following Jesus. So this is the verse I've just given you. And this is important because if you have shame about being a Christian, then in your workplace or your, your community or your family, you may not be willing to talk about Jesus because that will bring you shame. You don't want people to know you're a Christian because that will bring you shame. Oh, these Christians, it's shameful. Have you heard what Christians are doing? Oh, luck has another, another Christian leader's fallen. And that just brings shame on you. And you don't want that shame. And so the key point that this verse I read in Peter is making and many others is not to be ashamed of Jesus. And that's how we respond to him honoring us and taking away our shame is not being ashamed of him. And this is really, really important concept if you want to be a light for Christ in this world. You have to understand that you are going to get shamed. You are going to get shamed, just as the Pharisees were trying to shame Jesus for eating with the sinners and tax collectors. You're going to get shamed. And so you need to be aware of this. Know what's happening and, and make a decision that it's God's honor you're concerned about, not honor from these people who are, do not follow Jesus. This is, so this is the key thing, the first of the, the three things I want you to take away today, to, be, to, to not care about the shame of the world, but think about honor from God. The second thing is that we copy God by honoring the shamed in our society. We should copy what Jesus did by honoring the shamed in our society. And um, uh, so, uh, so, uh, what, so I want to say that, that feeding the poor and, and uh, giving to those in need has always been part of the Christian message, but very often the way it's done shames them. They feel like charity cases. They feel like they're of no value except to make Christians feel good because they've given something to them. And, um, uh, but maybe they're hungry and they don't have any other option. So some time ago, I read a book um, called Toxic Charity, How Churches and Charities Hurt Those They Help and How to Reverse It. Very, very powerful book. And um, I, I, it really changed my thinking on this. And... Um, Around 20 years ago, I volunteered at a Christian organization uh, that was really trying to address this issue and feed the marginalized. And I wasn't asked to give any money. I was asked just to give some time. And what was really interesting is the way they did it. Instead of having like a place where these people lined up and they got some food, what they did was they had um, an eating area with a kitchen that the 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 disadvantaged people came in and helped prepare the food. They helped prepare it. And then uh, we came in and they served us. 
And then we all sat down together and ate the food together. And you, you wouldn't believe what a difference it made to these people that they had honored us by serving us. They just felt so empowered by it. And we talked and we talked. And what I was giving was my time and my attention by spending time with them. And what was really interesting was um, they, you could tell something was different about their, the dynamics about where they related because they just felt that, that they were not charity cases. They just fed me. And although they didn't provide the food originally, they, they still felt honor. And um, then what was really interesting is uh, as I, they were from the area where I lived and I would see them on the street and they were like, hey, how are you doing? And it was like I was a friend. It changed their dynamics and the way they related to me um, as a person. So another story, um, I used to work at uh, Jarvis and Gerard and uh, the... Um, uh, I used, to, I used to walk there every day through Allen Gardens. And the um, nearby Allen Gardens is a homeless shelter for men. And the men would, um, would be out there in the morning. Uh, they'd just come out of the homeless shelter. And one day I was walking through and a man came up to me and said, do you have any change? And I said, um, don't they look after you in the shelter? You know, what do you want change for? He said, well, no, they don't give cigarettes. I want change for the cigarettes. I said, I'm sorry, I can't give you any change for cigarettes. I said, well, what brought you here? And we started talking, and we started talking for quite a few minutes, and he, he told me you know, what was going on in his life. Anyway, the next day, he was waiting for me, and we talked again, and we talked for a few minutes, and, and uh, the next day, as I came to the top corner of the park, I saw him looking out for me, and he was waving, and, and he wanted to see me, and we came up and we talked more. He never, ever asked me for money again, but he wanted to talk. And this was really interesting for me because uh, analyzing it now, I can see what happened was I am giving him something much more valuable than um, than giving him some money for cigarettes. I'm basically, by spending time with him, I'm saying we're together. And you can imagine his friends saying, what are you, who's that guy talking to you? What are you doing talking to him? Why, he's my friend. You know, and, and it's lifting him up. And after about a month, he got his life together and, 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 and went off and, and got himself sorted out. So I'm not saying, I'm not giving myself as a, a wonderful example of, I'm sure I could do much more, but it just happened that that, in an unplanned way, that's how it worked out. And that was far more valuable to him than it was giving him some money for cigarettes. So I want to suggest to you that we need to pray to God how we can be like Jesus in opportunities that we have to bring people whose main need is probably not a physical one. The main need they have is that they're covered with shame. And if we can bring them honor, it can actually change their life in a fundamental way. So just trying to, to put this together, um, we've talked about the story about shame relationship with God in our response. And our, the three things in my response, first of all, not caring about the shame the world can make us feel for following Jesus. Then the one I've just done is copying God by honoring the shamed in our society. And then the last one, and this is where I want to land, is resting in the honor that God is giving you right now. And I want us, each one of us to experience this, 
just to experience what it's like to be receiving this from God right now. And I'm going to read a scripture from Isaiah 61, which, which conveys some of this. Isaiah 61 verse 10. And I want you to just take this in as I'm saying it. Just take it in that God is speaking it to you. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness. I just want to say, often we think of a robe like as being about about. Um, taking away guilt, but here the robe is actually is a giving of honor, just like Joseph was given a, a, a robe of many colors um, sorry, uh, by his father. Uh, that was a, to, to show honor, and so this robe is showing honor. God's giving us His clothing, the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful headdress, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And so here is God's gift to you right now. He's giving you his honor. He's putting his clothes on you so that when people look at you, they say, wow, look at that. He's with God. And the, let's just read the, the, the passage, the, the verse from Luke 15 to, to wind up with. But when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. I want you to feel God, we're going to pray right now, I want you to feel God treating you like this. That he, you are covered in honor. When we come to him, we, we do have shame. Like we, we are, we're broken people. We're all the time, we are, we are um, making mistakes, we're messing up. All the time we are. And we're not saying that we don't do that. But God says, no, I just want to honor you. I just want to, I want to, 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 to say that you're with me and you are beautiful and you are mine. So let's just, I'm just going to read this and then we're going to pray together. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this, this time together. Lord, we thank you most of all for the way that you cover our shame, that you give us your honor. You bless us so richly with your honor on us. Lord, help us to, to, to come into your presence like that and just know that we don't have to be ashamed before you, but we can just enjoy your joy over us. Lord, we thank you. Amen.